Welcome in Dynasty League Talk Podcast. This is episode number 20. 20 yeah, yeah, that feels good. Today we're going to be reviewing the third round of the 2021 uh, rookie draft. We're almost old enough to drink. Oh, that's right. We're almost there. Um, yeah, I think that's it. We don't have a new bourbon for you today. We're still finishing up the last one, and Evan uh, said he has had too much to drink. So, <laughs> what? I think we've recorded a lot, and uh, I need to be getting home soon. It's almost uh, when I am, and I want to be sober enough to drive. So that's about it. Say on that. So, what a loser! Yes. <laughs> All right, let's get into this uh, third round here. First pick of the third round, um, I had long been targeting Nico Collins here. Um, I like him. He's big. He's fast. He's athletic. Comes from Michigan, where Evan's probably going to hate me saying this, but they've had shitty quarterback play, and receivers have been undervalued in the draft because of the bad quarterback play. Also, when Evan made a trade, I had a feeling that he was targeting Collins in one of the two spots, and both the two spots were right after two picks of mine, and I kind of told him, look out, I might be targeting the same guys as you. Unfortunately for him, I actually was, and it played in my favor, and I'm getting the guy I wanted, and unfortunately, sorry, Evan, I snatched him right in front of you. Nico Collins, starting off the uh, 301 here, the, the third round. Personally, I love the pick. I think um, Nico Collins could really pan out. We're obviously going to see what he can do early on in his career because mm-hmm. Houston doesn't have much depth. Um, this one obviously stung for Evan. This was the the second snipe he was referring to, being a Michigan wide receiver. Um, yeah. What do, you, what do you have to say, Evan? Uh, I mean, he, yeah, he tried to warn stung. you, man. And he you, did. He you, did. You He's just like, ignored it. And well, you know, hey, I'll give him some credit for being an Ohio State guy that actually took a uh, Michigan uh, prospect. Uh, kudos to him. But uh, yeah, the, Nico Collins is is quietly known as a freak among all the players at Michigan. Like, they call him Nico the Freak. And he, he he's a very fast, very big leaper. You know, he is very good timing when he jumps up to go to the ball. And he really reminds me of Kenny Holiday, and that's part of the reason why I made the trade. I thought I was going to be getting this wide receiver, too. I was going to start right away, um, starting as a wide receiver, too, on the outside for Houston, and then when Watson came back, if he still played there, holy shit, look out. Um, so really like the prospect. Fast, strong, great catch radius. Again, his leaping ability is, like, awesome. And then he came to the Senior Bowl, um, and he was dusting people on one-on-ones. Like, he was, like, one of the best uh, prospects that was showing out there. So, yeah, I thought I was going to grab him at 302. I thought no one else had him on his radar on, on their radar there. And uh, I actually had a conversation with Will. He's like, I think I'm going to take one of your guys. And I was like, yeah, whatever, man. I'll, I'll see. And then, yeah, he he, uh, he definitely did. <laughs> you called his bluff, and he wasn't bluffing. Yes, though. he was not bluffing. So if, if it was a poker hand, I definitely lost that time. Yeah, you did. Uh, great pick by Will. I have, you know, nothing bad to say about this pick. It was, it was a phenomenal pick. So. All right. With the 302, I decided to go with uh, Diami Brown. And I, I definitely really do like this uh, wide receiver prospect. Um, definitely not the Nico Collins to me. Um, but this is another guy that's like just a 
all-out vertical threat baller. And I, he had Sam Howell thrown to him at North Carolina. And, uh, I mean, I think there's like a little mini conversation going on within the Dynasty League about this player. Um, when I'm picking, picking players this late, you got to look for some unique aspects to their game, players that are going to pop a little bit compared to the other ones. And Diami was, you know, he, I don't think he was the top in the NCAA in yards per catch. Uh, but he was the tops in ACC or something like that, which is not as impressive, but he's still up there, you know, 20 plus. So, I mean, I mean, so, or, or maybe 19 or something like that. I can't quite remember, but he's a deep threat. And some of the work he does in the contested catches when guys are all over him, he's like tipping the ball to himself, making one handed grabs, um, Diane dynamic after the catch. Like, so, I mean, he didn't test fully as well as I would have. I mean, he's a, he's a tad slower than I thought he would. But a great wide receiver project prospect, and going with uh, having uh, Fitz, uh, Fitz Magic as his quarterback for at least one year or whatever continues with him, he doesn't give a fuck. He's going to throw the ball deep, incontested, and that's why this guy thrives. And I think he's going to overtake Curtis Samuel for the number two role um, on the outside. Curtis Samuel will be regulated to gadget role, running plays, slot work, um, because he's fast and he's six one. Um, I really like I really like them. He's probably the best wide receiver prospect at this point in the draft. And I don't think there's much argue there. So a lot to digest here. I have a lot of things I want to comment on. Mm-hmm. Let's um first start, start start off with the pick. I think this was a great pick by Evan. I think it it led into his team needs very well. He needed, in my opinion, wide receiver depth that could have a shot at being fantasy relevant, and I think Deami Brown could be like the situation Evan played out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's one piece of it. Definitely not a sure thing, though. Not a sure thing at all. But I think you you took a player that could provide some fantasy relevance to your team, which you needed at that position. Yeah. The second thing I want to talk about is you essentially traded Kenny Galladay for Kenneth Gainwell and Deami Brown. Yes, that's brutal, man. Mm. Didn't work out how I imagined it playing out, but I mean, hey, the owners this year, like they're, I mean, we had a lot of same guys on our list, and like, you know, the talent pool in this draft really is showing up. And I think a lot of guys are getting smacked. I think it just goes to show your overconfidence. Yeah, well, maybe we'll see how they turn out. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, the other thing we should probably bring up because it's been a hot debate in the, the chat here is Dami Brown was obviously noted for and according to PFF, not having a single career dropped contested yeah, catch. <laughs> I think the interesting thing about that stat is I feel like, and even hinted at it, it, it seems like his best known trait is down the field. Um, Tracking the ball, going up and getting it, like stuff like right. that. Right. Yeah. Um, which you don't traditionally think of those type of plays being contested catches. Right, you you wouldn't you wouldn't imagine so. Like, yeah, you think there'd be a lot of separation, but right. I mean, but yeah, I think right. that that kind of speaks to the problem with this prospect is he's not actually athletic enough to like get open doing those things. But he wasn't the plus athletes. He was yeah. he tested pretty well, but he wasn't. You know, he kind of like so he's like the, missed the top percentiles. He, and he kind of stuff. only ran like deep threat stuff. However, wasn't skilled enough to get open doing those, but made the catches. Yeah. Right. So, but that's what we're looking at with the players. I just want to dog the, the. I just want to dog the player a little bit. No, no, um, you're you're right though. I mean, at this point in the draft, this, these guys have weaknesses. This and they're glaring. Draft sometimes. spot specifically 
from here on out through the fifth round, there in my book is not a bad selection. Yeah, it's just like your, your guy. Yeah, they're who you all, like? There's no. Who do you see? For me, there it was. Last pick was the end of a tier, and it, for me personally, you I have him back at two hundred five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I so, think it ended with Pat. So this like the last. There's really not a bad selection. They all have bad and good traits. Um, so I, I don't mean to knock any specific draft pick. I think they're all great or bad depending on how they pan out. Right. Um, but just, just considering I had Kenny. Who is a well-paid alpha wide receiver? Who's you know a fringe one, going to be fed like probably a one in New York. Um, I traded. I traded for those two guys who don't have a clear path to being total like you know fantasy producers right away. And you know it, my only defense is like you know I kind of got up there and one did pretty well without Galladay, and, and I wanted to draft, and the, the draft didn't come to me like I expected it. But I tried to recover the best I could. Yeah, you maybe got a little bit of rookie fever. Yeah, hey, it happens. But it does happen. It happens to the best of us. So <laughs> let's not burn on you too much. Let's move on to the next pick. Hurricane Ditka, pick 3.03, where I took Kellen Mond. Um, made The pick made perfect sense for me having Kirk Cousins. So now I feel like I got the uh, Minnesota QB here for extended future. I like like Mon's traits, just don't think he's really anywhere ready to play yet, but we'll see. It's nice that he, he's a dual threat for fantasy. Um, I mean, I wanted Diami Brown, who Sad Lions took a pick before just because he's, he has, you know, he's never had a drop in a contested catch scenario. So, I mean, I thought that, would, that was a really good trait, but I guess I'll be okay with Kellen Mond. 303, uh, Steve. I think it's another phenomenal pick by Steve. Like he he just kind of mentioned, it was the perfect selection for his team. He already has Kirk Cousins, so what could make more sense than getting the uh, you know possible apparent heir to Kirk Cousins? So I have nothing else um, to say. I think it was great execution and great pick by Steve. I think Evan agrees. He's in the yard taking a piss, um, so we won't know his. What do you think? You love that pick? Yeah, I mean, great pick. I was debating between Kellamon and Diami here. And uh, Kellamon, great dual threat prospect. And uh, I think the only thing uh, to look at him, and he was in the Senior Bowl, did pretty well. Pretty, I think he was the MVP of the Senior Bowl. I can't quite remember exactly, but I think he was. Um, he just, I mean, he's a dual threat, but he just doesn't, he, he's a pretty darn good passer. He just doesn't uh, look totally fluid to me when he's you know when he's running he's moving he doesn't look like kyler murray or or jalen hurts running or lamar jackson running um but he definitely can pass and and he's locking down the minnesota quarterback room for a while i mean can't argue with that so yeah great pick great pick move on here my third round picks were millis and hill Millis, I honestly don't know much about it besides the fact that he's at Houston and Houston doesn't have a starting quarterback. <laughs> um, but I needed some sort of quarterback potentially in the future. Maybe it'll work out. Probably won't work out, which is fine. Uh, kind of- we have David Mills with the 304. Um, no problem with this pick at all. 
at this point, I think Jake needs to take best available. And, you know, he didn't take – he kind of passed on Wilson several times. So, for him to grab a QB and, and Mills, who we should see pretty shortly whether or not he can play in the NFL or not, considering Watson's probably missing the whole year. Yep. Um, I think it's it's a perfectly good upside pick in the third round. I have I have no qualms with this pick. How about you? Yeah, definitely. Um, Mills wasn't a guy that I was necessarily had like – on the radar is very much, but like considering the situation that's going on, like, I mean, if he plays and produces a little bit, NFL, NFL teams are going to be after him, regardless if he doesn't uh, stay like, you know, start in like Houston for the whole time. Uh, so in this league, I mean, quarterbacks are extremely valuable. I mean, if he turns into producing like on like the, you know, the Sam Darnold level or like, you know, like fringe quarterbacks, like, you know, started like, you know, QB two, QB, like, you know, on the fringe QB two range, I mean, he's going to have value. So, great pick. I mean, can't argue with it. Yeah, if he blows up here in the first couple weeks, Jake could f- even flip him for future assets and continue to rebuild. Yeah. I think it's a it's a phenomenal pick. So, yeah. I, I really like what Jake's done so far. Nice snipe. With the fifth pick in the third round, Hob Solo selects Ramondra Stevenson. Uh, this was a pretty easy decision for me, really. Um, he reminds me of LeGarrette Blunt, but I, but I think he's a little more versatile than people might give him credit for. Um, what really interests me, though, is he should have an opportunity pretty early to take over that uh, early down slash goal line back role in New England. And to get that in the third round, I, I think it's a steal. At the 105, we have Zach Hoverman uh, selecting... Ramondre Stevenson with the New England Patriots. Again, no problem with this pick. I think it's a um, a good, solid pick for a contender. This is a guy who could possibly develop a role as soon as this year. Um, he's a big back who probably needs a lot of volume, but you've already seen Bill Belichick do something similar like that with LeGarrette Blunt. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone's thinking yep. that same thing. So I think for... Um, a contender like Hobbs, who could probably use a little bit of running back depth, this was this was actually a really good pick for his his team at, and as well as the available prospects available. Yep, definitely a fine pick. Uh, at this point, I mean, <laughs> with these running some of these running back groups, these running back committees, specifically the Patriots, uh, and you know, looking back at the 49ers, too, um, you know, you don't necessarily want to pay for the highest asset in the quarterback room. Uh, sometimes it's just nice to grab the easiest to acquire one that has that maybe a lesser value, but could end up getting the opportunity and then staking a role. So running backs on the Patriots are valuable, just like running backs on the 49s are valuable. And it's nice to have like a depth piece that could develop into like a starter if the situation and the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, I mean Hobbs doesn't need a QB that could develop in three years, you know, in a you know, a la Kyle Trask. You know, his team could use uh, some sort of depth piece that could present itself. So I, th- I think he did just that. Exactly. This is round three, pick six. I end up taking Hubbard, the running back for uh, Panthers. He'll be a backup, but given that my uh, running backs are very weak, uh, I think he might be a good addition 
maybe add some depth, hopefully take, um, get a little bit more snaps and give CMC some break. So hopefully uh, this is a, a decent pick in round three. Chuba Hubbard with the uh, sixth pick in the third round. I kind of agree with what Fever said. Um, you know, he felt like he needed running back depth, and he's taking a stab at a, a possible high upside uh, handcuff and maybe someone that has some um, home run capabilities yeah. um, leaving a, a starting running back. So I think it's a it's a fine pick. And um, if Chuba Hubbard could get back to what he was doing early in his college career, it, it could really pay off. Yeah, Chuba kind of fell down the draft boards a little bit after his uh, pro day where he kind of underwhelmed on his 40 time. Um, Chuba was a track guy, um, but uh, he, he, he just didn't he, didn't he didn't test well athletically for being uh, six foot. And he was also like kind of like lighter too, like, like only like only like 200 pounds, a little bit more than that, like 200, 205 or something like that. So it was just, I think that's why he fell. Like when the NFL teams were putting him in his, in their, in their systems, it was like, he didn't pop off the page um, as like the comparative prospect as a lot of them, other ones did. Um, but he did have the great year. I mean, I think we saw him running through some open lanes uh, on Oklahoma, right? Or I mean, Oklahoma state. I think it was Oregon. State. Or, or Oregon state. Sorry. Oregon state. And so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, backing up Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey had a bunch of injuries last year. Um, he, he's a Christian McCaffrey type running back, and I think that if he comes in and like does got the opportunity that Mike Davis did, he's going to do better than Mike Davis, I bet. So, yeah, I, I I think it's a it's a high upside handcuff to own as well. So yeah, great pick by Fever. After not having a second round pick, it was a long, tenuous, tedious wait for Massage Envy to pick at the 307 spot. I elected to go with Brevin Jordan um, after Ramonde Stevenson went two picks before me. You know, bastard. Zach is, yep. And uh, Nico Collins, Yummy Brown, Kellen Munn, they were all on my radar. They all left in that round. So good luck to all those owners who have them, who would like them. Uh, Brevin Jordan, there's not much more I could say other than arguably the third best tight end in this tight end anemic draft. So he's going to sit on my taxi squad, mature like a fine wine, and hopefully become something that I can use. Brevin Jordan with the one or uh, three oh seven. Yeah, I think I think Jeff nailed it, man. Um, you can't knock a tight end in a tight end premium league in the third round, and you know going to Houston, he could possibly develop with uh, Deshaun Watson if he's still there or whomever the quarterback is, and and hopefully be relevant. So can't knock this pick in the third round. Um, super athletic tight end that maybe he just needs to develop some hands, which is. Seems to be classic for Miami tight ends lately. Yeah, this seems to be the case. I mean, can't argue with the pick here. I mean, this point in the draft, I mean, you just got to go for value. And, uh, you know, uh, Jeff did trade me Troutman, and he has two starting tight ends already. But he's just planning for the future and seeing if the guy will, you know, eventually hit and develop a role. He'll be set.
of another great death piece. Yeah, he, he is Janu, so he doesn't need any starting tight end anytime soon. So he'll be good to go. Tyler Hill. I watched Mississippi State. He only played a couple games because he stopped playing because of, uh, I guess, Leach. Um, but he's talented. Probably was the best player on their team. Um, and I think him at Packers, I think the Packers would be able to utilize him pretty well, potentially. So I thought that w- those were two good third-round draft picks, I guess. Kylan Hill with the uh, 308. It's a classic SEC back uh, pick by Jake Powers. Um, you know, seventh-round pick by Green Bay Packers. He could could develop a role if AJ uh, Brown can, or uh, AJ Dillon continues to suck. Um, so we'll see. I have no problem with the pick. It's just a another dart throw. Yeah, I mean. I mean, decent running back who just doesn't have a clear path. I mean, it's just going to take like injuries for him, and then the upside is playing with Aaron Rodgers. I'm sh- I'm sure he'd be able to produce if he was given the opportunity. Uh, there, I mean, most of those running backs do, uh, but I mean, they got Jones and Dylan, and so I think he actually profiles a lot more like um, who's the back who just left Williams. Oh, yeah, Jamal Williams, yeah. I think he profiles a lot more like Jamal Williams than A.J. Dillon does. So I think from that standpoint. More of like a multi-role that can pass and can run a little bit. Exactly. So I could almost see a three-headed, a little bit of a three-headed monster where Aaron Jones does what Aaron Jones does, be elite, and then, I don't know, A.J. Dillon does more of the big back stuff and, and Hill does more of the. The some scat like back the spelling, or, yeah, like change of pace, maybe catching some rolls, and like yeah. hopefully he can pass block too. Because if he can't pass block, he probably won't get on the I think field he that can. much. Yeah, I, I think he's like a fairly overall. I I actually liked him a lot pre-draft, and then he obviously fell the seventh round, so he's kind of like whatever after that. Right. But I mean, but um, yeah, I think it's a it's a fine pick by Jake. No problem with it. Yep. With my next pick and what ended up being truly my first pick in the draft that I actually kept on my team, at 3.09, I selected Dwayne Eskridge of the Seattle Seahawks. And Again, it was taking the best, uh, best available at that time. I was actually between Eskridge and St. Brown for my second-round pick, so I was pretty happy to see him fall to me on, in, in the third round. I know he's got a lot lot of uh, depth ahead of him with Lockett and DK Metcalf to really cement himself in a run-first offense as a number three receiver, but I'm excited to see if he develops some, some chemistry with Russell Wilson, who's now my quarterback. You know, it could it could be exciting, and I, I know Lockett's signed to a long-term contract, but he did take a step back towards the end of the year next year, so he has an opportunity, and uh, I was willing to take a shot on him in the uh, third round. Eskridge with the three o what is that three o eight? Yeah, I think it's um, what makes so great pick getting a second round wide receiver at the end of the third round. Mm-hmm. What makes this particular selection challenging is I think Lockett's contract locks <laughs> pun intended <laughs> locks him in to the um that team for at least the next two years. Yeah. So Steve's going to have that like awkward moment in two years from now where he's like, you know, has to move him from the taxi squad and it's going to be 
well, he really hasn't had an opportunity yet, so you have to move him to the active roster because he's young and hasn't had the opportunity to produce, but you know, maybe he has flashed. So it'll be one of those situations where he could become a challenging roster clogger on your dynasty team, but you really can't can't knock taking a second round wide receiver at, at this point in the mm-hmm. rookie draft. So yep. love the pick. I was just listening to sort of the cons of the pick. Yep. And if uh, they just decide to let Russ cook even more, I mean, they're going to be throwing the ball and he'll probably get some opportunity. I know uh, the uh, Seahawks have, a, they, they do have a role for their, their deep threat wide receiver. And that's what this guy is. I mean, he's another small wide receiver, five, nine, 190 pounds. He ran a four, four, five. Uh, so as, as we get into these later pro- wide receiver projects again, wide receiver prospects again, they they weren't like the prospects that we they were last year, who guys were just you know jumping off the page. But the Seahawks had this guy in Paul Richardson that they used to like to run deep, and they used to hit him a lot with with Russell and some certain plays. So another deep threat to add on the team. I mean, if he becomes the wide receiver three there, I mean, I think he'd be happy. Yeah, I think he. Um probably has more like best ball type appeal than he does a dynasty format, but um, yeah, can't be unhappy with that pick. So nice pick by Steve. Yep. With pick three ten, I went with Trey McTitty, uh, Chargers tight end, and really have lost a lot of depth at the tight end position over the last six months due to a bunch of trades. Um, I've got a young guy in Donald Parham who could be the heir apparent once Jared, Jared Cook leaves, and he's old as fuck. So between Parham and McTitty, I was hoping maybe I get Justin Herbert's future go-to pass catcher. At the 310, we have Jason selecting Trey McKitty, who was a third, um, I think third round tight end by the Chargers. Um, really like this pick here. I'm surprised he lasted this long, um, being a tight end premium league. I don't think he has much competition on the depth chart. You know, routinely tight ends take a little while, so you're looking at that. But um, I think at this point in the draft, I think that was kind of a steal in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, we're picking wide receivers here outside the uh, the first round slash mm, early second round. So these guys are all guys that you just feel comfortable with that you want to pick at this point. And if you think they have an opportunity to, you know, seize a role, then that's yeah. what you got to go for. This was kind of a athletic tight end of Georgia that for whatever reason, just was not really utilized oh, in that offense. So um, that's kind of the question mark as far as him. It was just as far as what I've read, hard evaluation because he just didn't really get touches. So why was that? Um, why wasn't he getting touches? But again, not a lot of competition from the depth chart. So, and in premium, yeah, yeah, take them what you can. I'll kind of foreshadow. I was kind of eyeing one of these middling tight ends with um, some of my picks later on, and Trey McKitty was definitely one of the people I was eyeing. So I, I do like the pick. Yeah. John White, the tight end collector. That's right. <laughs> The next pick, the 311, we have Hunter Long for the Miami um, football team. I was saying Miami Hurricanes. Miami Dolphins, that's the one. <laughs> I think he was a fourth-round pick out of Boston College, I believe. 
Um, to me, I'm, I'm again, I have a little conflict of interest. I'm biased because I have Jasicki. I believe this tight end is a little bit more of a blocking tight end. So I think he's not really too much of a threat of Jasicki. I think he may kind of free Jasicki up a little bit to do a little bit more. Um, but again, at the 311 with the tight end premium league, you can't at all knock a middling tight end. So yeah. um, if Jasecki doesn't sign there long term, I think Hunter Long could certainly step into a starting role at some point in the future. So uh, yeah. a, a very fine pick by uh, the champ, Robert. Yep. T, t, tight end premium, little mini t, tight end run here. Uh, yep. They, they need to be taken because without you know without Kyle Pitts these guys will be all moving up another spot you know like they could be picking a little bit earlier so yeah fine pick with the 3.12 pick Massage MV selected Kyle Trash. I mean Kyle Trask, uh, QB, back up to the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. So that's the reason why I picked him is because he's the back up to the greatest quarterback that ever lived. Just being around Brady makes everyone else better, and hopefully it can make him better. And the real reason, to be honest, is I kept playing that stupid audio clip of John going, Brady is dust, in my mind. And so, if Brady is dust, maybe Kyle Trask will come in, young gun, start slinging balls. God bless. For some reason, we lost the audio for the 12th pick that me and Evan discussed, but I think... um fill in for it. I think we both like the pick more than Jeff did. It seemed to make a lot of sense with him already having Tom Brady on his team. So I think we were both fans of the pick, especially with Brady turning to dust any second of the offseason and the 2021 season. So good pick by Jeff. No criticism from our our ends. That wraps up the third round. Um, We'll be doing the fourth and fifth rounds next. We'll see how long they take. If the rounds go fairly quickly, I may combine them into one episode. If we have more to say than we're expecting, then maybe I'll split them into two. Just to fill out content for the offseason. So. But uh, releasing them once, one episode a week for the rest of the offseason, despite any peer pressure from Will. So thanks for tuning in, fellas. We will see you next week.